Jimmy Fowler is dagging a small run of black-faced sheep at the 2,000-acre family farm in the Wairarapa Hill Country. Tomorrow she'll get some locals in to help shear them, rather than a shearing gang, which is far more expensive and the family is having to tighten its belt. Shearing for animal health, we'd love to shear more regularly because the stock do better, but cost-wise it's just not feasible. Yeah, so where we used to do six-month shearing, which was a little bit of a luxury even then, but it was great for management and stock health, but now we've pushed out to eight-month shearing. But there are people that have gone right back to 12-month to, um, shearing as well for their youth flock, just to try and cut the costs. Jeannie's parents, Ron and Nairi Burns, have just signed over their 2,000-acre property to her and her husband, Jamie, the fifth generation on the farm. Over lunch, I asked the family if the current situation for sheep farming was as bad as the downturn in the mid-1980s. What do we think? I, I, I reckon it's worse, I reckon. Than the 80s? You know, when we went back to doing our own shearing and things, that the costs, we would just say the costs have gone sky high, haven't they? Yes. Fertiliser. Yes. You forget how bad it was then, but I, I feel now... Just the, the low price we're getting and the costs uh, are just, yeah, they're, they're in real terms there's a bigger difference than there used to be. Especially this fertiliser one, and, and there's more increases coming. In those days, and I sound old, you could always see a future because a young chap could buy a farm and he could fence it up and put fertiliser on and that because fertiliser was reasonably economic. But now a young chap looking at buying a new block can't think, well, I can ramp that up because he just can't go and put huge amounts of capital fur on, it's too dear, and, and fence posts are at 6 or $8 each, and wire, and you know, it's just too dear to do the development. It really worries me, this harder hill country, I've argued that prices will hold, but I don't think it will out here now, because the costs are too high. And your returns are... Yeah, and the returns, I think the returns, I'd like to think lamb will come up, but unless it comes up not to 55 to $65, but 65 to $75 or more, we're not going to be where we were five years ago, I don't think, are we? Well, the problem is, unless we can keep our fertiliser up, production's cranked up so high on some of these farms now, you've got to have a hang of a lot of fertiliser stuff to go to keep that production up. And with the cost of land, you need that high production yeah. on your farms. You can't, we can't afford, with the cost of the asset of the land, we can't afford to go back to low production levels. You can't say, well, we'll minimise our inputs and go back to lower production levels and, and go into a holding pattern because the value of the land is so high that you need the production out of it. In 1982, the national flock used to number more than 70 million sheep. Now it's half that. There are a number of factors driving the current downturn. The high New Zealand dollar means farmers are getting less for their product offshore. That, coupled with a glut of meat on the market, means very low prices. Mike Peterson, the chief executive of the farmer-funded industry body Meat and Wool New Zealand, says the global oversupply is a major problem. Certainly the Australian drought has played a big part in this, uh, particularly when you look at uh, lamb racks into the North American market. This is a key market for us, it's our most valuable product, and we need to see pricing restored to better levels in North America uh, so that we can get better returns worldwide. So the oversupply of sheep meat has been a big part of that. Uh, there's no doubt that also we're seeing uh, competition uh, offshore and, and the strength of the supermarkets in the UK is a significant issue. And uh, when there is a surplus of product on the market, then it does become easier for supermarkets to beat the price down. Uh, and that's been another issue that we've been looking at over the last 12 months. Climatic pressures such as flooding and drought are becoming more frequent and severe. 
Currently, Waikato is in drought, and other parts of the country are struggling with serious water shortages. While recent rain may have eased the situation slightly, in most areas it's not enough, and that's putting pressure on feed supplies. The normally green Southland region is brown, a colour palette that has farmers heading to the store for supplementary feed to keep stock weight up. PDG Wrights and Southland Livestock Manager Andrew Martin says feed supply is tight. Southland at the moment is very, very short, uh, particularly short. We have had nowhere near the rainfall we historically get down here. Uh, some parts of Southland are quite severe, Tiana in particular and uh, the Riversdale, Waikaia region, parts of northern Southland. Uh, but Southland in general is particularly short of feed. Uh, yeah, no, we could certainly go searching for a good shower rain down here, there's no doubt about that. Sheep farmers have always been a resilient lot, but these factors combined with extremely high capital costs are crippling what was once New Zealand's prime export earner. And associated industries are hurting as well. The president of the Sharing Contractors Federation, Motu Tua, runs four sharing gangs out of his base in Alfreton. We'll probably share on this particular run somewhere between 12 and 15% less sheep and that's totally related to uh, how dry it has been for the last 12 months. A year like this when you're shearing maybe 15% less lambs, does your business take a bit of a hit? <clears throat> oh, absolutely. I probably think that our turnover will be uh, somewhere between five to $600,000 less than what it has been previously. Uh, that's reflected right across our wage bill, which means that the people that work for us won't have as much work as they have had in previous years. It means that in a place like Pagatua and Ekatahuna that is mostly reliant on the rural industry will we'll naturally see a decrease in the stock firms and with the people who are related to agriculture having to tighten their belts. Paul Gleeson and his brother run a limeworks and trucking firm in Pahiatua, and he agrees business is not what it used to be. Our business will be going 75 years, but I've been in it since 1969. But it, it's a changing industry all the time, and so far as that you see trucks from further afield, South Island trucks go past my quarry at least once a week, and stock goes further afield. There's more satellite works around, and you see you've got a contract carriers picking up stockage, and it's very difficult for rural-based people like us with only two depots, it's quite difficult to compete with larger companies dealing with bigger numbers and only doing you know, what we call the cream of the work and then leaving us to do the smaller jobs, which we're very grateful for, but it does make it difficult. Yeah, are you hauling less sheep these days? Definitely because of the numbers. I mean, the biggest sale I've seen at the Pido sale was 33,000. We hardly have a sale there. As if drought and low prices weren't enough, the struggling sheep industry is being overshadowed by the rise from the ashes of the dairy industry. Nowhere is this more apparent than in Southland. PGD Wrights and Stock Agent Willie Swale introduces another clearance sale near Winton, about 20 minutes north of Invercargill. The reason that we are here is that uh, Ken and Caroline have sold their property and for it, of course, the afternoon will be offering their capital stock and their uh, plant out the paddock for you.
There are about 1,500 sheep and all the farm equipment up for sale. The family's selling up and the new owners will be going into dairy support. I'll start at 62, PGG Rights and Southland Livestock Manager Andrew Martin says there will have been 100 clearance sales by the end of March and he says sheep prices are considerably lower than last year. By and large, most farmers are averaging somewhere uh, in the uh, mid-$50 mark and uh, the best sale we've had to date, I think they, the average was $61 for some high-performance coopers. So. Mm. How does that compare with previous years? Ah, oh, well, previous years, I think uh, probably last year, guys were probably averaging, going from memory here a wee bit, but $70 to $80, I would imagine, and that was on a an ever so slightly weaker lamb schedule. So we're slightly higher in a lamb schedule and, and prices are back, but it just uh, it just does reflect the way uh, the industry is at the moment, the volume of sheep we probably have on the market, and um, uh, as with the rest of New Zealand here in Southam, we're, we're actually reasonably dry. Andrew Martin says at least 80% of the sales would be prompted by a shift to dairy or dairy support. The Southland president of Federated Farmers, David Rose, says last year there were 32 dairy conversions in the region, but this year it will be three times that number. This year somewhere, somewhere over 100, so it is huge. Um, and it's stretching local builders and, and resources to actually do that number. Some dairy farmers have actually brought builders in from as far afield as the Waikato. Does it concern you, you know, the loss to the sheep industry? Uh, it, it, it does concern me as a sheep farmer, but it, you know, when you look at the economics of sheep farming the way it's been, it, has to, it needs a quantum shift. David Rose says for some farmers it's been an emotionally tough time moving away from sheep farming. But for many, it's about setting something up for their family. Many of them are actually looking to the future and succession, and for many of them it's been about a way forward for their family because they're passionate about farming and about their future generations having a go at it. And, um, you know, up until recently the vision for sheep has been very hard to see. The clear-out of capital stock is putting pressure on meat processors, which are running at capacity. PPCS is New Zealand's largest meat marketing company with 26 processing plants. Its chief executive, Keith Cooper, says that's meant it's had a regrettably good start to its season. That is regrettable because high throughputs have been driven by capital stock processing um, and inevitably we're also slaughtering um, ewe lambs. Um, both of those are, will impact on the future lamb crop next year. So uh, an unfortunate positive start to the season. So when that drops next year, as it may, as people don't look to destock as much, do you think there'll be some rationalisation of plants? Well, we've signalled as PPCS we're certainly uh, uh, on a process of reviewing our plant infrastructure um, under the heading of right-sizing our, our business, and that's not just about plants, it's our whole business. Um, inevitably, there will be plant rationalisations. Can you give any indication as to where that may be? Um, no, that uh, the, those evaluations are still going on, um, but nonetheless uh, we do have a, have a plan to address the overcapacity within our own business. In terms of the overcapacity, are you offering lower prices because of that? No, we have to be competitive on the day, and uh, by and large, anecdotally, we are uh, equal, if not more competitive in, in some situations. So no, it doesn't affect that. Um, it, affect, it does affect, however, the overall company's profitability and clearly we had an unsatisfactory result last year um, and that's what we're looking to remedy, not by paying farmers less but becoming smarter, more efficient and extracting maximum value from the marketplace. 
Meat marketing has been fragmented for many years, and many see this as the cause of current low returns. But farmers, sick of seeing the industry in chaos, have formed action groups and taken the bull by the horns, or rather, the sheep by the tail. Good morning. The farmer mood for change has created further fallout in the struggling meat industry. The chairman of the The Southland-based Meat Industry Action Group, or MIAG, was formed last year, taking in the already running Canterbury-based Meat Industry Restructuring Group. Last year it was successful in having two of its members voted onto the board of the Meat Cooperative Alliance, and just last week another Action Group member gained a seat on the board of PPCS. Meet and New Zealand's Chief Executive, Mike Peterson, says the group has to be congratulated on the interest it's brought back to the industry. And what they have done is really get some thinking going amongst farmers about what is required to make the industry better in the future. Um, and, uh, and, and I think you know, that's been something that's been a long time coming. Uh, in 2003, when we ran the referendum campaign for Meet and New Zealand, uh, we struggled to get farmers to attend meetings. Uh, I think that when we go out in 2009 for the next mandate, uh, I'm sure that there'll be plenty of farmers at meetings. Uh, and so they've really helped in that regard. But he might not be feeling so chipper about it if MyAg's Leon Black, a Southland-based sheep farmer and breeder, gets voted onto the Meat and Wool Board as he intends to. I want to help my industry get out of where it's at. And I don't believe I've got a future as a sheep farmer or as a, a ram breeder unless this industry does better economically. And um, I believe meat and wool's got a key role in facilitating some of the changes that need to occur. But the meat and wool need that direction. So uh, I'm standing on that basis. Leon Black says he will be pushing for the acceptance of a radical restructuring plan put forward by Alliance. Last month, the cooperative unveiled plans for the creation of a new entity that would handle 80% of New Zealand's red meat processing and marketing. It would require the merger of both big cooperatives, itself and PPCS, along with the publicly listed AFCO and partially Japanese-owned ANSCO. Alliance is currently out on the road seeking farmer reaction to the idea. Here's its chief executive, Owen Poole, after a meeting in Milton. Alliance Group's looked at a number of proposals over many years. The time's right now. is a combination of factors. Farmer incomes are dreadful. Uh, it seemed an opportune time to try for the, for the big proposal, and that's what this is. Five companies involved to make this entity work. I think all agree that the concept is sensible. There are some other issues that we're working through with them. Uh, we remain hopeful that we can uh, achieve it. Obviously the proposal would have to go to the Commerce Commission. The reaction's probably not going to be favourable, so we'd have to go back to government for amending legislation. MyAg's chair, Keith Milne, says farmers are really excited about the proposal. The mandate he received from the shareholders at the two meetings, approximately 700 people, was almost 100% or 100% yes. So um, that probably gives him quite a strong negotiating position. What about in terms of the EU and WTO having um, what could be one major company in charge of meat? Do you think that they may put up some... uh barriers? That, that will be something perhaps that has to be carefully approached and I understand there's some work already being done on that but given that this company will only be around 80% of sheep meat I can't see that being a problem. When Fonterra started it was around 96% of um, New Zealand's dairy exports.
So no, I don't think it'll be a problem. The industry's having a tough time at the moment and it seems as though if this idea is taken up that it may take some time to get through the process with the Commerce Commission and then perhaps legislation having to be brought in and also bearing in mind that it's an election year. Do you think that it's going to be soon enough? Um, soon enough in terms of the of industry. Where the industry's at. Um, I think at another year where we are with prices as they are, it would be extremely difficult um, and costly to, 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 to do the rationalisation and actually pull the industry round again. We would have lost so much critical mass. But I was heartened by the speed at which um, Alliance think they can progress this. Leon Black agrees that the time frame to get the entity up and running is very tight. And any hurdle could, could hold that up. But and particularly for the sheep industry, the venison industry is a little better and the, and the beef's OK. But the sheep industry doesn't have a long time frame. We are losing good sheep farmers and we are losing too much good land to alternative use. So if we're going to have sheep industry still viable in 12 to 24 months, this needs to happen very soon. Alliance says it will be taking a business case to the government as soon as it has a farmer mandate, which it believes will be in the next few weeks. The mega meat company idea is being likened to Fonterra, but the Professor of Agribusiness at Lincoln University, Keith Woodford, says creating a big company may not solve more basic problems. There's some real big differences between the dairy industry and the sheep industry. You know, with, with lamb, what we're trying to do is sell a product to consumers across the other side of the world. We've got some real inherent problems that... Everybody wants to slaughter their lambs at the same time of the year. So it's a very seasonal product, much more so than with dairying. And that in itself creates huge challenges when you're trying to sell to consumers across the other side of the world. Because when you want to sell the product, is isn't necessarily exactly when the consumers across the other side of the world want to buy the product. So ideas are being worked on for the meat part of the sheep industry, but what about wool? It was once called the golden fleece, but wool is now considered by many farmers as nothing more than an annoying byproduct of the meat industry. The Agriculture Minister Jim Anderton says the meat industry should look at the wool industry if it wants to know what not to do. If you go back to the 50s, um, over half of the entire exchange earnings of New Zealand were earned by the wool industry. Now it's 2%. What's happened? Well, the same kind of dysfunction, same kind of internal disputes, lack of direction, lack of uh, leadership, and people all thinking they could go their own way and, and take on the world themselves, and there's a result. So if the meat industry wants to know where they'll end up, if they don't do something, then they only need to look at the wool industry. And ironically, the wool industry is inherently tied up with the meat industry in this case because sheep have wool. And wool, in my view, is part of the solution too. That at the same time as we're looking to fix the meat industry, we should also be looking to fix the wool industry. Peter Whiteman is the managing director of the wool buying company Masserell Fills. He says prices have stabilised at a somewhat disappointing level, production is falling and the future for coarse or strong wool doesn't look terribly bright. This is why we recently have been rather keen on, on reactivating uh, promotional spending overseas because we've been very lax in that lately and a lot of our clients simply don't know much about the wool that's there. So it's partly our own fault, you know, an industry fault, I should say. So what do you see as the answer? Aha, 
It's a big problem. I think a lot of disservice was done when the McKinsey report came out, I think in the late 1990s, and we virtually stopped promotion of wool full stop. The wool farmers' lot wasn't terribly great up till then, and I think it was a natural reaction to think that all that money that was spent on promotion was wasted. But in fact, ever since then, when we've stopped spending money on promotion, we've really been in a downward spiral. So I, I, I'm relatively positive if we get our message out to the right people, to the designers, to the architects. I don't think New Zealand will ever have the budget to really get to the consumer. And that's always been our problem. We're not a Coca-Cola or a DuPont or the like. But if we can get our money to the people who make the decisions to get them in the shops or in the apartments, they're the people we need to get at. And I, I believe that when we as an industry, and it's not just the farmers, we have to stump up too this time and um, get some money for promotion. Get, it, get, out, get our message out there otherwise... We have very limited hope, I believe, of getting sustainable price increases. We'll always sell the wool, always. But there won't be any farmers bothering to grow it, will there? Over the past two decades, a number of initiatives have been put forward to try to revitalise the fortunes of the strong wool industry, but none has been effective. The Wool Industry Network has announced plans for a cooperative called Wool Grower Holdings and a marketing entity called The New Wool Company. Its prospectus will be out in April with the company operational by the end of June. The chair of the Wool Advancement Group, Cliff Heath, runs the 4,000 hectare Te Hekinga Station, a sheep and beef operation in northern Manawatu. He says the network's proposal fails to recognise that wool is a commodity, not an end product. We've got to get to the end product, and they seem to have not grasped that. All they seem to be doing is producing two new companies, and we've had about five in the past, to basically compete with two we've already got, Primary Wool and Wool Services International, that most farms have still got shares in. And it seems to be more about seeing who can sell the most for the least, which is, is what's got us into the position we're in. Cliff Heath says wool is effectively dumped on the wharf, and it's hoped that it will disappear overseas. But he argues that farmers have got to own the product right through the chain. That's where Fonterra is onto a winner, owning the product from the cow right through the chain to where it's yogurt or butter. If we were to do that with wool, the margins there are, are huge. I'm aware of a fellow in, in Pittsburgh, he's making blankets, baby's blankets, cot blankets. He's selling them in the US on the internet, mail order effectively, for $150 US. They've got about $5 worth of lamb's wool in it. And the, the wool is effectively going from here to his factory through spinning, weaving, and he's selling it out the other end. So the margin that's potentially there to be captured is huge. We are not capturing that margin. That's a big job to take the wool over there and then see it through a process. There's 170 million tonnes of wool produced every year. That's a lot of wool to take through that process. Uh, agreed. There is the ability to take portions of it and make significant amounts of money with it. Meet and Wool New Zealand's Chief Executive Mike Peterson says strong wool does have a future because the world is screaming out for natural products. It has wonderful attributes uh, and uh, we're keen to promote those. You have to look at things like even the United Nations is making 2009 the year of the natural fibre. And uh, one of the first uh, products they talk about there is wool. And this is a trend that's happening worldwide for all of our products uh, and New Zealand has them in abundance. We have meat and wool products uh, natural, natural products, free-range products uh, that really should be promoted to the world. But wool exporter Peter Whiteman says trying to market wool as a natural product has been done before, unsuccessfully.
the consumers seem to like the story of it, but when it comes to their pocket, the bulk of consumers pay lip service to that, I'm sorry, in my opinion anyway. I don't think that that is necessarily the real way to sell large weights of wool. You can, you'll find a few people who will actually pay for that, but I, I think some of the evidence of, of going down that track solely is quite anecdotal, actually. Some are saying that we should be really going, or farmers should be going for more of the niche option and selling a, a high-quality, high-dollar product. What do you think about that? Yeah, good idea. I would too, exactly. Good idea. But, you know, the reality is we produce 170,000 tonnes of wool in a year, and for all we like to say that we, we are in a niche product, it is bigger than niche, That that's a lot of wool too to get into the market at a, at a decent price. And if we don't achieve that for all of the wool, it undermines the price of, of the, the top end as well. The Agriculture Minister, Jim Anderson, says wool is almost treated with contempt by farmers. I mean, I've heard farmers say if we didn't have to shear the sheep for animal welfare purposes, we wouldn't even bother. Now, that's extraordinary when you look back on the importance that wool has played in the New Zealand economy. And in my view, wool is still an iconic product uh, in world terms. And there are some elements of the high-quality wool industry in New Zealand, the merino industry, for example, that are doing extremely well with long-term contracts with textile manufacturers around the world, particularly in Italy. And I think they provide the model for going forward for the wool industry and the meat industry is now starting to catch up. So both sides of the industry are coming up with proposals to try to rejuvenate prices and demand. But Cliff Heath of the Wool Advancement Group says there is a lot more that the government could do to help. This is a downturn from which the sheep industry may not recover. This is far worse than anything in the past. In the past, the issues have been largely government-created, whether it was Muldoon's land development loans or so-called skinny sheep policy, that created a boom and then Roger Douglas came along and created a bust. This time the creation is more to do with the lack of a government decision, sitting on the table doing nothing. As a consequence we're in danger of becoming a one product economy with, with the move to dairying and the neglect of sheep issues such as meat marketing, the control of the quota to actually maximise the return to New Zealand for the quota. Things like that the government ought to be having a, an active part in. They've got a totally hands-off approach. But Jim Anderton says the government is going to take action by making a major investment in the primary sector as part of this year's budget. He says he's hopeful that the stars are in alignment for the sheep industry. The meat side of the industry is getting its act together. The wool side of the industry is getting its act together. And if the two can combine at the same time, then we might achieve some remarkable progress. I certainly hope so. And while industry representatives, politicians and farmer groups may be getting excited about the current proposals, back at the family farm in a northern Wairarapa, Ron Byrne says the way to get through is to be moderate and enjoy the lifestyle. I have to say we've always been extremely conservative farming. But in a lot of the ways it's, it's, been, it's been good. You don't have that stress and that, that some of the ones that sort of fly higher. I don't know, it probably wouldn't change things very much really. Making the last dollar's not everything. You've got to be happy and content and live your life and enjoy it, don't you? you know, and that, it's a great place to live. So you, you, don't want to, you want to keep those stress levels down.